the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. In play with Craig Maddock, made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. Our guest today has devoted decades to high school kids as a teacher, a coach, and a referee. 38 years of coaching track and field. 18 years as the head coach of Rapid City Central. Two state girls track titles, four runner-up finishes, and six runner-up finishes for the boys. Our guest was also a boys and girls basketball official for 35 years, including 16 state championship games. Inducted into the South Dakota Coaches Association Hall of Fame and a member of the Rapid City Sports Hall of Fame, our guest is Dave Dolan of Rapid City. Dave, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, you've been a busy guy. You know, not only decades of coaching track at Rapid City Central and being a longtime official, but you taught Fayette and English a teacher and a coach for 34 years in Rapid City. How did you juggle everything for such a long time? I had a great supporting cast in my wife. I think that's <laughs> the only way that it could occur because you're out all the time with coaching and repping, and and uh, she was very supportive of everything that I did. Now, you're a native of Beersford. How did the Correct. road How did the road end up in Rapid City? Uh, well, I was... Got out of college, interviewing for jobs all over, couldn't get a job, and had actually moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma with my wife. She got a job, and no sooner had we gotten there and uh, elementary PE position in Rapid City opened up, I said, well, hey, I'd like to go at least interview, get one of those under my belt. And the gentleman, uh, Chuck McLean, offered me the job on the spot, so then we had a decision to make. And the decision was to move to Rapid City, where we've been ever since, and plan to stay here for the rest of our days. We mentioned you're a native of Beersford. Uh, was high school athletics a big part of your life at that time? Oh, oh yeah. Football, basketball, track, baseball, <laughs> chorus, band. You did it all in the small town. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you think that maybe you could do something in college uh, with your athleticism? Well, actually, my, my favorite sport was basketball. I really thought I could be a, a basketball player in college. I didn't realize that six-two post players really didn't exist in uh, <laughs> in basketball. So fortunate enough to play uh, football for the University of South Dakota, uh, where got some good work ethic uh, ingrained in me, and uh, actually uh, challenged a little bit to try and uh, uh, move up into the starting ranks. And I think it uh, just made me want to work a little bit harder. So kind of took that through my teaching and coaching career. You know, it wasn't too long when you got to Rapid City. You know, you're coaching football and basketball and track. Who were some of the coaches early on that you worked with in Rapid? Well, Dave Strain, even though I wasn't a basketball coach under him, Dave Strain was one of the basketball coaches. Uh, John Hushka, who is not only a, a track and field and cross-country legend in the state of South Dakota, but kind of under his wing, and uh, he was an assistant coach, and then he brought me on as an assistant. And then I became the head, and he actually became my assistant. Uh, Tim Cooper, uh, Kim Nelson, uh, Steve Spencer, mm, Trent boy. Pacula. Oh, boy. I think I lived through about six uh, different head coaches in my time at uh, Rapid City Central. 
Well, Tim Cooper was a quarterback at USD at one point, right? Were you guys teammates at all, or no? Was he we over there? We were the... teammates, as and as well as we're still friends. Just went to his daughter's wedding uh, this <laughs> this summer. <laughs> you had to decide, though, between officiating and coaching. Uh, when did that come about when you were at Rapid City? Really, I, because of the way the girls' basketball uh, fell, I could do coach football and then go referee on, you know, a couple nights a week. And then when the when the girls' season switched to the same as the boys like it is now, I really had to make a decision. I couldn't be gone all those nights, uh, you know, and still be a, a dad and a husband. When was it, though, you wanted to be an official? Because that was a, a, a few years, I think, after you got to Rapid City and you are coaching at the time and, of course, being a teacher, too. Well, I, I, I actually started – refereeing when I was at the University of South Dakota. I took a sports officiating class from Marv Miller. And so Marv Miller, Mick Weissup, Colin Capitan, uh, they would take us out and they would give us $5 to do the B game so they didn't have to. <laughs> Kenny Beringer there in, in uh, Vermilion. Yes, uh, yes. And went out and, and enjoyed it, and I kind of took off. Uh, Mick actually then moved out here and was a coach at uh, – Sturgis and then at Rapid City Stevens and so we stayed in contact and he actually got me my first uh, taste of college basketball back in the mid-80s. You've mentioned some great names uh, already uh, Colin Capitan when it came to officiating uh, what stuck most out from what they taught you as an official when it came to basketball uh, what was some of the number one things they told you? Just be fair and consistent and always maintain your composure. Uh, and I think one of the assets that all of them instilled is you're able to talk to people. I think that's part of being a teacher. You're able to talk to people even when they're not happy. And so that was one of the things that I always tried to just maintain the professionalism with the sport. I would see them off the quarter and uh, be able to talk to them, say hi. Didn't ever take anything personal. And I think that helped propel uh, and then the knowledge of the rules, being able to apply uh, what they had taught us, taught us. You officiated basketball when we had uh, two-person crews, and of course now we have three-person crews. How hard was it to get used to having that third official on the floor? Well, for, as I was getting up there a little bit older, uh, the third person was pretty easy. We'd been doing three people in three-person crews in college for a few years, so for us that would have we're doing the college ranks, it was probably a pretty easy transition uh the hard part was then going back to two person and then trying to cover the court like you did with three uh and the wear and tear on the body that uh that probably is the reason that i well i uh, had two knees replaced was from referee and basketball oh my you had carton you had tile you had uh some wood courts and you did both games the b and the a game so just the wear and tear yeah, those tartan floors, you know, they were they were great when they first came out. I mean, you could put your thumb in it, uh, but that was tough on the shins. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was very difficult. And so those those were the hard things. Uh, I, I remember when the ESD, they went to three, then they went back to two. And I just told, I think at the time, I think it was Buck Timmons, I said, I'm going to honor my contract this year because I always enjoyed going to pier. That was just a great atmosphere for basketball. But I said, if they're going to stay with two, I can't. I got to just. I got to continue with three-person crews because I, my body isn't able to do that. 
they stay the same age and I get a year older every year. <laughs> Who were some of the partners you worked with on the basketball court? Well, they, they, they were countless. A uh, uh, couple that I guess come to mind first off are uh, uh, Steve Withorn, who was just inducted into the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. He was out here, very integral part of uh, uh, getting Native Americans to officiate basketball. Kevin Badwoon uh, and uh, Luke Yellow Robe, Larry Stevens, Mick Weissup, Randy Stanton, uh, Jim Aberley, Mick Weissup, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Colin Capitan. I, I mean, he's the one that got me got me going. Had a couple of state championships with him. That was always special. Uh, Geez, I, I know I'll forget somebody. Nick Gottlob, who's kind of a, a younger one. Uh, Mike Kirkaby, good friend and longtime official out here as well. So uh, there's probably, I'm guessing I refereed with about 100 different guys over the course of the year. Uh, trying to think of some of those that at the state. Uh, Randy Schaefer. Mm-hmm. You know, when we did the old FDIC basketball. Uh, Kurt Venekamp, Custer native. How about a most embarrassing moment as a basketball official? I'm sure there had to be at least one, Dave. <laughs> well, there's probably more than one, but the most embarrassing, and I, I I don't even think I was a newbie. I was kind of a veteran, and the state tournament was in Rapid City, and I'm getting down. We're getting ready, and I've got the first game of the day. I, and we're there plenty of time, hour and 15 minutes ahead of time. I have no pants in my bag. <laughs> And no one else is my size. I got so I'm frantically calling my wife. Finally, brings them in about oh shit! I'll bet five minutes before the, the start of the contest, <laughs> I'm out there running. The other one was I went out. You know how you always put your whistle, kind of didn't have it on when you were out there. I went out. They were playing the national anthem. I went to tap my chest like I always do. No whistle. Sprinted to the locker room, grabbed the whistle. Those are a couple. <laughs> Oh, you know what? And you saw a bunch of great girls and boys basketball players when you officiated. Uh, which ones did you enjoy watching? Even though I, you, you tried not to watch them, but uh, you do as an official. Oh, there were, yeah, there were some phenomenal. Probably the most memorable athlete that I watched play basketball was Jason Sutherland. Of I remember in the yes. state championship game, first of all, we cleared the arena because of a bomb threat out in Rapid City. Colin Capitan and I were doing the game, and we're out in the car. They gave us the all-clear to come back in. We continued the game. Jason Sutherland went up and did a monster dunk, and they ended up winning the game because I think it was against O'Gorman. And he hung on the rim and gave the number one sign as he goes across. the. And I'm actually doing it in my house right here. <laughs> Gives the number one sign to the crowd. And at the next opportunity, I go, Captain, we should have teed him for that. Cappy goes, then they'd have strung you and the guy that called in the bomb threat up from the rafters. <laughs> a couple of mentors I'd have to give credit to. Gary Reed, Rick Bromer, as you talk about names. Uh, just remember seeing Gary at the uh, – uh, he was inducted into the Sports Hall of Fame as well. Uh, and, Rick mentor, was at, uh, Rick, and Rick was at Sioux Falls, Washington for a while, yeah. and uh, he moved out to Rapid City uh, many Rapid years City. ago. Good friend. Yep. Gillis Stern. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> probably where I got my big breakthrough was uh, Bill Cohn up there at Lemon. He was a sports rep, and he went down in a Central Stevens game. 
there's probably, I don't know, 6,500, 7,000 people there. And I had done the, the sophomore game before that. And he went down. And I looked down the row as I'm watching. Dwayne Whalen gives me the finger. Come here. And I, I mean, he, instantly I got, I couldn't draw a spit. <laughs> and it's only a two, two-person crew. is with John Saul Siedler. And so I went. I don't even know if I blew my whistle the first half. And John said, just be out there, call the obvious, I'll take care of the rest. And the game went fine. Wow. And uh, then the next night, Bill was still hurt, so I went up and did Sturgis and somebody, another big game. And that kind of catapulted me into, you know, the double A and having the opportunity. I held my I held my composure. I won't say that I was perfect, but I didn't I didn't uh, insert myself into the game and affect it. You did officiate 16 state championship games. Which one stands out the most to you? I tell you what, the, the Millers, Mike and uh, Macy, stand out. I remember three years in a row, the best player did not win the state title. The best team did, and that was Sioux Falls, Washington. But that was probably some of the toughest basketball I, I did at the end of my career because everything mattered. You had to know where everybody was in the court, and I thought we – Within our pregame, we, we talked about the situations and stuff, and we talked about, you know, potential plays and where the ball – off-ball coverage and stuff. And I thought we were – I thought we were pretty good. Um, and got – we nailed the game. Uh, the other one, I think Jason Sutherland, the dunk. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was a championship game, but I remember Sue Ann Big Crow, Steve Withorn, and I were repping. And she threw in a shot from three-quarter court in a state tournament game. I, I don't even remember which – I don't think it was the final. But that was spectacular. Of course, all that she did for oh, you know awesome. our Native Americans down there. Yep. One more officials question. You know, we are running short of officials. How can we encourage more men and women to get involved with being an official, no matter what sport it is? Well, we've we've actually we've been having that discussion right now. We're trying to find people, you know, that want to give back to the sport. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the high school level, but I think educating them and also the fans and the parents that, hey, we're out here, we're doing the best that we can. Uh, we're looking for people. Our biggest thing when I see, you know, parents and, and fans, you know, getting after an official is, okay, we're always looking for more. Please come and help us. Um, they're doing their best, but anytime you're under pressure and a lot of stress, it does not help the situation. You're actually making it worse for the, the kids that are on the, on the quarter field. So we're, we're talking about doing some sports officiating, you know, given up at the colleges, maybe doing uh, some type of seminar or a class, get some kids in, involved, and then hopefully they progress. And, you know, even though they may move around the country, mm-hmm. maybe they're interested in doing it. If interested, uh, get a hold of your local high school athletic director, and they'll get you started on, yep. on whatever. And they'll you... send you to the right spot, which yep. is the Activities Association. There's a lot more stuff to do than now with, you know, just make sure everybody's certified and qualified to do it. Well, you were awesome as an official, but you know what? I know one of your first loves was coaching track and field. You did it for the Cobblers for 38 years. What was it about track that you loved? Because I taught in the middle school, I loved to see where those student athletes started and where they ended up their, their senior year. I, I started a weight program over at uh, South Middle. I, I didn't really start it on purpose. I started, I said, well, I'm coming in to work out if anybody wants to come in. So it, it went from you know, half a dozen kids, all of a sudden I don't have time to work out or I've got to get in there earlier because I've got 80 to 100 in there. Mm. And uh, I think they kind of took off, and that's what propelled us at Central. Is they, they put in the time ahead of time, and they were ready at high school. Uh, and then the kids, 
you know, for, for track and field is easy because you always see where you, what your time is or your distance, and you can always try and improve upon that, whether that be the, the state champion or the person that's just out there because their friends are out and they want to be a part of something. I want to talk about some of the track stars that you were able to coach at Rapid City Central. Let's start on the boys' side. I know you didn't get any track titles, but uh, you you were a, a runner-up six times. Six, I think. Runner-up with the boys. Five and or six. I, and the one I well, I think most people are going to recognize is Tony Smorgowitz, uh, the long-distance runner. Wow. He was just awesome to, to watch run. What was it like to coach him? Yeah, well, and Tony was a distance runner. Uh Tony did a, he was just fun to be around. He was contagious as far as his work ethic and, and stuff and leadership for the team. Uh, it may, I think it, it drew numbers to the program itself. So that was a pretty special thing for that. And then I think what also helped us, you know, we had a lot of crossover athletes that would come from other sports and that's because their friends were out. Plus the coaches we had, we had coaches that coached, you know, in all the other sports and we found ways for them to have success. Uh, Tony Schmorgowitz on the, on the boys side, uh, Jake Moss way back in the nineties, I was an assistant coach then, but he was a state cross country champ and he was an all state football player. I know coaches really do want them to, no matter what sport they coach, they want them in track, track and field, because uh, it, it makes them a better athlete. Um, did you yeah, get a chance? Is the difference at different levels. Sure. How about uh, Cole Tucker? I know he was a big 400-meter uh, dash in the relays. He A number of uh, medals that he won. Um, yeah, Cole Tucker was, I believe, the first three-time 400-meter state champ. Uh, won a sophomore, junior, and senior year. And amazingly enough, he never won uh, against uh, the Sioux Falls Lincoln kids. He never beat him in the regular season. It was always at the state finals. <laughs> and so uh, I, there's nobody. It was so fun to watch him run. Because it looked like he was, you know, in dead last, and then at about the 250 mark, it was like he was shot out of a cannon, and he just mowed him down coming down the stretch. That was uh, that was a pretty amazing thing to see him. Then we've had a long list of hurdles, which hurdlers that you know John Huska obviously coached successfully there, uh, and Ann Ballmer was probably the one that that he coached that was probably one of the most successful athletes in Central High School. Yeah, 1992, she had nine gold medals uh, in her career. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the all-time leading gold medal winner still to this day, I believe, is Megan Trotter. With 11. Jasmine King may have had 11 if she wouldn't have gotten hurt late uh, at a track yep. meet, right? Yep. Those, the long jump kind of, you know, she ended up going back after she ran the 400. And then the 200 when she tore her Achilles. Jasmine was probably the single fastest individual I ever had the opportunity to coach. Uh, but she also worked hard. Uh, there was some natural God-given ability, but she, she put in the time and effort, and we trained to, to peak at the end of the year. Amber Abrams, uh, she had eight gold medals, went on to play volleyball down at the University of South Dakota. Elena Klaprich um, also had a bunch of gold medals, too, I think. She, she was a, a sprinter. Of kind of one, one of the things that we prided ourselves on, I, I don't know if it was me or the girls, that, but was our four-by-one relays, both boys and girls. It's something that we practiced and we trained and we tried to perfect, uh, but it's probably the most stressful one on coaches. Paul, Coach Hendry and I across Stevensville. I'm so happy when the four by one's over to make sure you get those handoffs around, especially when you've got a, a pretty good team. And uh, that was one of the things that we always tried to, you know, tried to go for in that is to get into that top ten or even win a state title in the four by one. I knew you coached the, both the boys and the girls, but the, there are large numbers that that 
that are involved in track at a lot of insti- a lot of schools, including Rapid City Central. Uh, how did you handle watching both the boys and the girls and using your assistance to find out who's going to be in what event? Um, we well prior to the athletic.net and now the state has a new one. I mean, we'd meet. Everybody would put them in events, you know, their, their athletes, then we'd compile that. And then I'd make sure that, uh, you know, we didn't have somebody in five events or I'd ask, why is this person in this? So that I gave them the latitude to, you know, enter them in what they wanted, thinking, you know, they've got a plan throughout the course of the year. But then there are times then as they entered them in athletic.net, then I could see what they're in. Maybe we're missing somebody. Maybe I didn't know. Uh, it, and the computer actually helped things out lot less paperwork you know handwriting everything in and going there and doing the heat and lane assignments and scratches and ads it made it so it made it so much easier for coaches uh i uh, one thing i have to attribute is i mean i had great assistant coaches i think all but one of mine had been a head coach in another sport at some point in time or in another place girls state uh, track championships in 2009 and 2012 um both memorable what what stands out on those two track titles for the girls? Well, I think I think uh, just the n- number of events that we placed in. You know, there was there were a few surprises, and for us that those two years we didn't have many disappointments. We kind of got where we thought we'd be at. Then we had you know an extra couple three uh, place. I remember the one year uh, we ended up with three placers in the three hundred meter hurdles, which we never you know thought would would happen, and that sewed up the state meet at the end of the 300-meter hurdles because nobody could catch it. So there's a little breathing room there that you go, oh, sigh of relief because there's nothing. You're just pacing <laughs> all the time. You never know what can happen in any given day. But as a, as a head coach, what I tried to do was I tried to get to every event uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, and then when the relays were on, I would stay, and I, that, that was kind of my thing. I'd watch those and the kids that I actually coached directly. But I would try and find a spot that I could see the high jump, triple jump. I'd get over to the shot and disc, except for at O'Hare at the disc. That's kind of a tough place to get to yep. as a head coach. Because yeah. <laughs> if anything goes on, you got to make decisions. Somebody gets hurt and put it in. Trusted my uh, assistants to – they knew what we'd already talked about. So it was pretty easy to make a, uh, a transition or make a decision. There's been a couple of rule changes dealing with how to qualify for state track uh, for that nice event that is in Sioux Falls and in Rapid City, it alternates years. Uh, do, do you like the way how people now have to, to qualify differently to get to state? I, I do like the top 24 list, you know, top 24 plus ties. I just, the one thing that I think we have to get to, and I don't know where they're at, I think they just had advisory this past week, is we have to have all FAT time. And that, I know that is not necessarily possible in some of our rural areas. But when you start doing converting, I've been on the, I've been at the finish line where, uh, did you get it? No, I didn't. Well, here, you switch with me and I'll switch with you. And it, I think we're past that. We have enough meets that we can get to where we have actual timing that, uh, or we just have to plan on it. And You're talking about electronic, electronic timing is what we're talking yep. about here. Yeah. Yeah. Fully automated timing. But the top 24 is good. I think it gives kids an opportunity. And actually, you know, in some of the events, you know, we'll put numbers, you know, we'll put somebody maybe that's at 36 because like a Jasmine King, she, she could have run in the one, two, four, four by one, four by two, four by four, and long jump. She only gets four of those events. 
So you kind of have to figure out where they're going to put their athletes. And so you might be able to take her out of the 400 and now somebody else gets to go in there. So there's a lot of that that goes on, but that's what makes it fun as a coach. You've retired from coaching track. You've retired from officiating about six years ago or so. What was going through your mind thinking about retirement from the things you love to do? <laughs> uh, it was hard. Uh, basketball was essentially, I would, I'd still be repped to this day, but my, my knees just, they couldn't take it anymore. Uh, and I, I had to give it up because the doc said, I'm not going to give you a new knee until you, you quit refereeing. <laughs> so, cause I'd have probably got a new knee and wore that one out, which wouldn't have been a good thing. But, and then the coaching, I just knew it was, it was time I had been retired from teaching and I was still coaching. And now the connection with the kids that I had all the way through from sixth grade, all the way to seniors. I was, I, the connection of that was basically about over with the young kids. And it was time for somebody new and, and that's in the system to take over. And Coach Moriarty, uh, I hired him twice as an assistant. He was with me in Rapid. Then he went out to Douglas as a head coach. Then he came back into Rapid, and I hired him again. He's just a class act, good man, uh, and uh, works very hard at it. Two questions left. We talked a lot about uh, coaching and officiating. We haven't talked a lot about being an English teacher. What led you to become an English teacher? I, I don't know. In college, uh, it's one of those things you had to do a lot of when you were uh, in those first years, a lot of English classes, grammar. And all of a sudden I go, oh, I have an, I have an English uh, degree. And that was the opening that happened over at South. So I was teaching seventh, eighth, and ninth grade English for about the first three or four years. And then again, eventually got over there. I will say that uh, there was a lot of work involved in that morning, noon, and night planning periods break. You're correct in papers. So uh, I hats off to the, the full-time English teachers. <laughs> they put in a lot of time, as do all teachers, a lot of time and effort and energy to do the best they can for our students. One last question. You were so involved for so long with being involved with kids and athletics you're kind of retired now how do you stay involved you do somehow don't you oh yeah i've i help at the state track meet state cross country i went to the cross country meet last week and helped at the finish line uh still go to the basketball tournament um and help there still observe officials for uh the activities association um i go watch track meets i enjoy watching them going uh Still helping with uh, trying to get coaches to become more involved in our coaches association. And then eventually uh, it'll be time for me to sit back and watch. In play with Craig Mavic made possible by the exclusive support of Lake Area Technical College. It is you. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.